Hey everyone, welcome to the post-Breeders' Cup edition of the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. I'm the host of this show with my co-host, Barry Spears, who will be with us as soon as our first commercial break is over. Uh, we want to thank Play Up Racebook for sponsoring us today and, and our pre-Breeders' Cup stuff. Uh, check it out, playup.com. They have uh, all kinds of giveaways and uh, they treat you right. The word is that they treat you well. They, yeah, the player's friend. Check them out, Play Up Racebook. Anyways, we have a tremendous amount of stuff to talk about. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, the obvious would be flight line, the retirement, the sale, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we'll get Barry's takes on, on all the races and, uh, you know, ain't much else going on in racing for a couple months. So let's uh, let's cover what we, we just saw. All right, be back here in a minute. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about PlayUp Racebook. It's a new United States-based legal paramutual horse racing betting app and platform. And it offers top-notch wagering experience, including tracks from all over the world. New players receive a 50% bonus deposit, up to $250 and generous wager rewards on top of that. This week only, Breeders' Cup week. Only make a $100 deposit and get an extra $25 in your account to bet on the Breeders' Cup. Just sign up, make your deposit, go into the chat on the app, tell them you want the Going in Circles $25 bonus. You'll receive your $25 the same day. Download the PlayUp Racebook in the Apple Store or head over to playup.com. Check it out. Is this the uh, unidentified buyer out west who bought two and a half percent of flight line, four point six million dollars today? Maybe. You're not spilling the beans. No, I thought yeah. it was you. No, no, I would have been identified for sure. <laughs> I'd have been taunting people in the cell ring. <laughs> doing a doing the Billy White Shoes Johnson. Well, Coolmore was the underbidders. I would be like, "We got you, man!" Finally, <laughs> you bought every single good mare out of the sale, but we got you now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even know where to start. We have three hundred seventy-four different topics to talk about. Mm. The, the Time Lord start the. Start the clocks, my friend. Start the clocks early tonight. Yeah, we just tripped the uh, the teletimer. We just tripped the teletimer at 107 and 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that fraction and I was like... What? That can't be right. <laughs> that's the, that's <laughs> impossible. And then I was like, well, they're going pretty fast and <laughs> windy, right? Maybe the wind is blowing down the backside, but then... You know, unfortunately, the bad news as to why the Tyler Timer was tripped. Of course, we're talking about the classic, right? 
saving another horse. Yeah. It's kind of, of all the things that have gone on and happened in the last few days, That that's probably, and this is probably a good thing, it might be the, the most underreported story, to be honest with you. Um, the horse who was the prohibitive three-year-old favorite going into the classic um, epicenter you know, breaks down in the race and it's, uh, it, it's we haven't of... heard much about it to be honest no I mean when I saw the reports that it was uh, you know w- what kind of fracture it was I mean that was kind of heartening because those are um, things that, that are not not all that difficult to repair these days, condylar fractures, which are, are ones that go up the cannon bone, are, are usually pretty repairable with uh, screws. But, um, yeah, it, it's kind of uh, been overshadowed, and, and I guess that's a good thing, to be honest with you. It's not something that, you know, it's not a topic that's really... Uh, um, all that fun to talk about true somehow we've let off with it um and that's part partly because i just don't know like where to even start but uh you know it's kind of a a sad ending for him yeah honestly he was one of the horses who was expected to return next year and um I guess, you know, we'll just jump right to the obvious thing that we've been, well, I've been raging about for two days now. Raging. (laughs) That, you know, Flightline, the retirement of Flightline, A, was coming since before September. We we knew this, but we weren't allowed to divulge this information. Yes. Um, B, is the only thing that makes any sense from about four different standpoints. I mean, number one, the insurance to race the horse would be prohibitive and there's a chance they may not have even been able to find reasonable uh, prices to insure the entire horse. And after today's um, sale of 2.5%, which went for $4.6 million, which seemed like it was considerably higher than anybody's unofficial guests i was thinking three million and i only thought three because i know a lot of people were in the twos was that this is something that you're not going to be able to get your hands on and Mm -hmm. the horses just ran a spectacular race um and what's the difference really for people that are going to go buy mares for three million or four million or five million seven million what's the difference between two and a half million and three million not much <laughs> right it, really it, it's it's not much i mean economically you know maybe it'll be harder to get your money back but you also own a piece of a horse that no one else outside of the current shareholders are going to own it's they're just that's not going to be us well i mean you're also like basic basically locking in at, at a certain price um for four years because you know his babies won't hit the track and then you know you have other seasons after that before they start hitting the track yeah 
I mean, uh, it, it, the price it, I think higher. it was six. Well, you get your money back. Six seasons, you get get your money back. So you know, but that was a factor in in the horse's retirement. And from the standpoint I was talking about, and I, you know, people get upset, and people one one person on Twitter told me that I must hate horse racing. <laughs> it, it it just gets tiresome. People don't listen to logic, and you not you don't have to agree with the logic, but you have to understand what the logic is. And just saying, "Oh well, racing needs to start; he should be back." Well, that's not good enough for me. That maybe that's good enough for you, but you explain to me what races that you want to see him race in, and then you explain to me what is compelling about any of those races. Why would any race that Flightline would run in next year? be a competitive race where it wouldn't just be one to nine against a couple overmatched horses because let's face it the best horses in training were in the race against him on saturday and they're all gone every single one of them almost (laughs) okay like, all right, I'm going to give you a red strike. And, and I don't know why, but people keep saying, oh, geez, he ran fourth. You know, why is he going to get his credit? When I don't understand. Credit? I'll tell you when he's going to get his credit. When he wins a race. <laughs> when he wins another one. Yes, you need to win a race. Fourth place is nice if you want to look at him as a horse who broke his maiden for maiden 30 last year. It's not nice if he won the Kentucky Derby. You're held to a higher standard. Therefore, you have to at least hit the board. And well, since everyone else is retired, I don't want to hear any excuses for a strike next year. Win or go home. Sick of it. Anyways, to move on to the to, to flight line thing is, is, is where would he race that would be a compelling race? I mean, even in this race, where most people, or at least a, a, a large portion of people, had kind of conceded that he yeah he was probably going to win uh-huh. because there, there was no question about his ability to get a mile and a quarter anymore that's gone he's not a horse that's going to be easily defeated with tactics you can't run with him he'll let you go if you go too fast <laughs> if you try to go slow he'll he'll run by you he's not going to be in big fields so how exactly are you going to beat that horse <laughs> if he's close to to 100%. I mean, you're just not. So, all these ideas about people saying, oh, well, you know, oh, you should go to the Middle East and Dubai or Saudi Arabia. For what? (laughs) Those races are only important because of the amount of money that's given out for those. Well, for that horse, money doesn't matter because he can make more money than that not running in them. There's very, very few horses that you can say that with. And we on this show have been massive proponents of people running horses, running horses more, not retiring them. We've, I've bitched about Cyberknife being retired for how many months now? <laughs> I mean, he is the horse that to me really is 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 missing out but they right. sold out to a stallion like an opportunity to be the best horse in the division yeah you know coming back into next year uh, who's who's coming back rich strike is coming cody's back. wish 
Cody's wish, but we don't know if what he's going to do with Cody's wish. Right. Going to keep him running a mile, which has been, you know, very effective at. Um. And Taba, and that that's really it. I mean, that's literally it. Charge it. You don't even know if he's going to run. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's a talented horse, but he hasn't run since like June. Yeah, it was June. So, you know, like, what's what's he going to be like if he? Uh, I, I mean, he kept. You know, when, when he first announced that he wasn't going to make the Travers with the foot injury, he seemed Todd Pletcher seemed relatively optimistic that it was going to be something that wasn't going to be a big deal. But as soon as the next race and then the next race and they were starting to be quickly ruled out and then it was hey we're just going to take the rest of the year um that's that's not a great sign for that horse because a foot problem is something that may or may not get better um depending on on the issue and how it grows and uh you know horses feet are a delicate subject it, they they can really um, you know, you, you don't want to get situations where you might wind up with some founder and, and a foot because that's that's not that's not a good thing. But um, but back to flight line. So so where else are we going to run him? And and what kind of schedule is he going to keep? He's not going to run five or six times already. Next, well, why would that happen next year when it hasn't happened in the previous two years? <laughs> so if you work back from next year's Breeders' Cup Classic. A race is 300 now, 63 days from now. All right, but you put that as one of your races. Okay. Maybe, you, okay, make them one of the Dubai races, one of your races. Okay. All right, so now you got a race a year from now, and you got a race in. Twice. On the other side of the earth, it's going to run at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning in March. Um, You'll probably get one race in between there. You think? You would think that the Sadler would probably want to race him on the West Coast, right? Because that's where the the the, the Breeders' Cup is going to be next year. So, is it really worth it to risk a now at least a hundred million dollar horse that you might have to self insure fifty million dollars worth to run in Dubai, the Pacific Classic again, and the Breeders' Cup Classic again, <laughs> and if you were to win those three races, all the naysayers, the people that are, you know, going to be critical of the horse, are they going to suddenly come around and say, oh, well, you know, hey, he beat Rich Strike as a four-year-old man, like <laughs> a royal ship or whoever the hell's left out in California. None of which <laughs> decided that they were willing to ship East to run in a $6 million race against him. <laughs> so it becomes this, you know, question of how is that really compelling? Like seeing a nice horse is great horse is awesome and all, but we've always seen great horses in, um, in, in campaigns where there was a rival or there was, um, a streak or some sort of compelling um, race where, where there was some doubt as to who was going to win. At this point, 
would there be any doubt that the horse is going to run? And they're not going to run him on the turf or in Europe or something stupid like that. That's just not going to happen. I mean, that's not realistic. No, he's not that kind of horse anyway. I mean, Barry, can you think of one single horse who possibly could could be, you know, e- even a token competition for this horse that's in training? Yeah, right he now? ran against him and, and whooped him on Saturday. <laughs> Life is good. He's the only one, right? And and that's and and there it is. I mean, I think someone was making a good point, and and um, they said he would have been one to five in the sprint, the mile, or the classic, and he would have won all three of them. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of horses you can say that about. And I, I'm not going to get into any debates about where his all time standing is because it's it's just a it's silly argument. Yeah, it's a silly argument. He right, yeah, he's unique. He has a unique career. We haven't seen careers like that. But the argument, oh, well, easy. Well, if Dr. Fager decided just that he was four and everything was perfect, I'm sure his record would have been the same. Uh, I think Andy Serling put up the stat that the spectacular bid was like 24 for 24 lifetime between seven eighths and, and, and a mile and a quarter. It also set a bunch of track records. Yeah, so like nine track records and carried 132 pounds. And that's another thing. If we were still in the era where handicaps mattered and Flightline might carry 136 against uh, the rest of the fields, 115, 116, that would be a compelling reason to watch. But just watching him beat up on the same horses over and over again, like it just isn't to me. I I just don't see how that um, would possibly be worth the risk that those people will be taking. And we're not talking about a couple million bucks, even though 98% of the people out that listen to the show outside of maybe like the time Lord um, and Sid, would be, you know, would, would a couple million dollars be nothing to, you know? Most of us, that's a lot. But um, we're talking tens of millions of dollars. And and there's there's partners to deal with. This is not owned by a guy. This is owned by a group of people. Um, no one likes the fact that, that our horses don't race as much as they used to. No one likes that. We don't like it, Mm-mm. but it's a fact. And this horse doesn't really have any competition. There's no horses out there. You're going to say, well, geez, man, he's a good horse. I mean, isn't it aggravating to, to, to people out there that Rachel Alexandra and, and Zenyatta never matched up? That's aggravating to me that that happened, that those horses raced and never really matched up. But how would Rachel Alexandra be looked at had she not run as a four-year-old? But she didn't run that great as a four-year-old. <laughs> but there's nobody out there. There's no Rachel Alexander Zenyatta comparisons for Flightline. Like you said, he beat life is good. We'll never know about Epicenter because he, he obviously broke down. But, um, I mean, I don't think there was much thought no. process that, that Olympiad or, or, you know, was going to be a real, um, 
a real challenge for him. Not that there's anything wrong in Olympiads, another horse that, you know, I thought maybe they'd bring him back for his five-year-old year. And, you know, as accomplished as he is, he did win a lot of stake races. He's only won one grade one race. But he's going with the stud. Just so many horses going to stud is crazy. This year, it's 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 a lot. There's there's a lot going to stud, man. Um, I mean, just seeing that, I, if I was, you know, kind of in that business, I'd be like, wow. <clears throat> you know, just thinking, you know, these all these horses aren't going to be successful. No, most of them. You know, maybe two. Maybe. <laughs> True, but you know what? The way they they do these deals, the stallion deals, the stud deals, the, they're they're basically out after three years, you know, or at least a break even point. So if the horse turns out decent or, or good, then they're they're gonna make money and they're not gonna lose money. There's not much downside to them. Mm. But um. But yeah, for all the people that, that called me names and said that I, I hate racing and, you know, I'm stupid because racing needs stars and all that nonsense. We have like 40 solid years of proof that stars do not translate to extended business success in horse racing. I mean... How many times did we hear, Barry, that we need a triple crown winner? Triple crown winner will, will make it, it'll, it'll be big because you know it's the triple crown, people pay attention, it's the derby, and and, and that's going to really change our business. That, that's going to save us literally every day on Twitter until it actually happened twice. <laughs> it happened twice, yeah, <laughs> and and. <laughs> And, and yet, people still say the same stuff. I mean, it happened seven years ago, and 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 what four years ago? And and how did the business like? You know, how how did it? How's it been since then? Is <laughs> anything like? It's the still the death by a thousand cuts is slowly chipping away. Right, because it's it's not human sports. It's not. It's not human sports. It's it's the same like. Um, rooting for a college basketball or college football team. If you root for the University of Kentucky basketball team, their stars change every year. <laughs> Those guys who are good, really good, they only stay for a year. Yet people still continue to root for the University of Kentucky basketball. How come no one says, you know what, uh, college basketball is dead because the stars don't don't stay for four years anymore? Even though, of course, they haven't, you know, for twenty-five years. And would, would would college basketball be better if the stars stayed for four years? Absolutely, but but the economics don't dictate, and it hasn't really math. Changed. It hasn't really changed that much in the last 15, 20 years. It just is. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Great players, they come and they go. It's like horses, and that's always been the case. Great horses have come and go. Okay, spectacular bid, uh, rain, and, and affirmed, and, and uh, uh, Seattle slew. They all ran at four. But that's it. They ran at four. 
Kelso ran in the 60s. <laughs> Best analogy for Flightline I heard was Bo Jackson. Right. He came, he kicked the ass, and he was gone. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? People remember now, people of our age, we remember Bo Jackson at Auburn. We remember Bo Jackson with the Royals. We remember Bo Jackson with the Raiders. But there was a lot of years past that when he was playing for the White Sox mm-hmm. that he wasn't the player he was, not even close. But our minds don't remember those days. And that's what Flightline is going to avoid. Yeah, like the, the, the Michael Jordan wizard years. Right. Nobody talks about that. Oh. Flightline is a great horse. I, I Listen, we'll give him props. And we said earlier in the year, at the Met Mile, we got in trouble because then we said, yeah, he's a great horse and all, but he never runs. You know, which is still sort of true. Um, but like we can respect the the immense talent he was has. Uh, I mean, I learned some things about him this summer, and I'm not at liberty to say, but I, I will give John credit, uh, John Sadler, a lot of credit for keeping him going. And I know uh, for a fact that it was not an easy task, and that he felt a tremendous amount of pressure training the horse. And and I would, uh, I can't say I understand the amount of pressure he felt because obviously I've never trained a horse to that stature. Virtually no one has, but when you train a horse that has issues like that, a fast horse, I did have a couple really fast horses that did have some issues and you held your breath a lot of times. And people want to think that um, soundness is a black and white issue and it, it almost never, ever, ever is. It's not a black and white issue. It's very rarely black. You know what? It's black and white. It's black and white when the horse cracks a leg. <laughs> you know, when, when when their leg is broke or their tendon is bowed, then it's black and white. But up until that point, horses can go and be fine. Horses can be perfectly 100% sound. You could send them to the clinic, you get them scanned, and send them out to the track the next day and they can get hurt. Because I know that's happened too. It happened at a very famous horse. Mm-hmm. That, that they sent to two clinics two clinics rags the riches and she still she still got hurt she still got hurt because there's not it's not an exact science it's like domestic spending the whole situation behind that personally i didn't like him in the race i didn't think that he could win i didn't like him because number one he's not a miler and number two winning that race from post 14 would be almost impossible but am i going to sit here and say well he shouldn't have run well, the injury that he has, uh, a pelvic injury, there's really no way of knowing that a horse has anything wrong in that area unless they exhibit signs of lameness. It's just, it, it would be like um, if your axle and your, your car broke. If you didn't know if something wasn't the the car wasn't driving right, mm-hmm. how would you know that there was a, a crack in your axle and when you hit a pothole that it, it, it breaks? You you wouldn't. That's the same with the pelvis. It's not like a, a lower leg injury where you're gonna see heat, you're gonna detect um 
uh, you know, swelling or something like that. And, and, and their pelvis, that, that hind area, those bones are big. And it's not an easy thing to, to find. So I'm not going to sit here and criticize the vets. I'm not going to criticize the trainer. I'm not going to criticize anyone because it happens. And it sounds like that the horse is going to be okay. But, uh, you know, everybody wants to jump up and down. But um, the fact of the matter is that's a very, very difficult injury to see coming. You just don't see it coming unless there's some lameness. The horse had been lame. And being that there was quite a few scratches by the vet at the Breeders' Cup, which is not something you don't often see Bob Baffert. Horses get scratched at a million-dollar race by the vet. Um, You know, Chad Brown was very... uh, open about the fact that he didn't enter Jack Christopher because more or less he was told they weren't going to let him run. Um, he does not have a great way of going. And then, you know, they, they have stepped it up. And for that event, it, it's probably a, a, it's probably a good thing. And, and yeah. if we keep horses from getting hurt. Um, then, you know, the risk versus reward. It is a big event day and there's lots of eyes on it. And I get why the connections are pissed, but um, because it's kind of a slap in the face. I mean, let's face it. (laughs) But uh, other than that, what were your impressions of the classic and and how it was run? And uh, I mean, any surprises for you? No. Other than actually Taba not getting second, that that was actually a bit of a surprise. Um, but other than that, no. I mean, it was it was uh, insane to watch because they were just going so fast, and you know, Flightline just left life as good like an afterthought. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely it was it was definitely something to see. Um, now that Flightline's retired, I kind of wish, you know, he, <clears throat> he was around sooner rather than later, um, because nobody really knows who he is other than horse racing people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't see that. I just don't see any scenario that was going to really happen. No, yeah, I mean it was inevitable. There's too much money on the table, especially if you, if it's Parents, in Dubai. Yeah, it's it's not worth their time. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to get. Uh, it's like you said. It's hard to get the public's focus on on non triple crown races. But um, but anyways, yeah, it's it's kind of. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I watched the race a couple times and. Um, I can't really tell you how anybody else ran because they were they weren't even in the picture. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Um, all right, well, uh, let's talk about some of the other uh, elephants in the room. Um, American turf horses really suck, <laughs> <laughs> which is something that we predicted on our show. On uh, yeah, we did. And by the way, uh, the guys there. Jason gave, gave went five for five um, on day one. Right? Day one, yes, they 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 crushed day one. 
Um, I think that you know, sitting there today watching the results of the Keeneland November sale, which is a big broodmare sale, weanlings. When you see the amount of talented mares that are being bought to go somewhere other than Kentucky, uh, the Japanese have bought a lot of our best mares, and Coolmore and company have bought a lot. Uh, and yes, some of the Coolmore mares will stay here, but not all of them. A lot of them will go overseas too. They have big operations here and in Ireland. So you see a lot of, of our talented mares going overseas. And if you don't think that has something to do with it, you're nuts. People get really kind of caught up sometimes in, in the sire power because, you know, obviously people would know the more about the sires than they would about the dams if they're not, you know, like Malifat. But, um, There's definitely a talent drain. I mean, and that's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. And, uh, and I think it's uh, something that maybe we, we don't talk about nearly as much. And because of the, the placement of this sale and, and the Fazig Tipton sale that was held yesterday, uh, you know, Sunday, directly after the Breeders' Cup, that sometimes that topic can kind of get a little bit overlooked because the, the fallout of the Breeders' Cup and what it means to the championships and um, people watching the races and, you know, having bet on them. And, um, I think that sometimes that fact that a lot of these horses are going, uh, they're leaving our country, leaving North America, that um, it does, it does affect the quality of, of, you know, the, the horses at the top of the game. And I think it, no better, um, evidence of that than our, our seemingly soft divisions in the, our turf. Since we've been doing this show, this is our third year, mm-hmm. we haven't really seen very strong um, domestic turf horses in the male category, especially. And even a lot of the Phillies a lot of the horses that Chad Brown has that are at the top of the division are imports. Um, so look at uh, the the winners. I mean, I guess the best one recently was probably Bricks and Mortar, right? I, I would say, yeah, of the the, the male division, sure, Bricks and Mortar absolutely was the best. But before that, uh, and then after, I mean, Colonel Liam. Yeah. When he runs, <laughs> I guess. Or when he runs at Gulfstream, I should say. If he runs anywhere else, he's not winning. So, I mean, domestic spending was okay. But, like you said, it's, it's very subpar at this point. And it showed. When modern games can basically do nothing overseas, <laughs> uh, he, he, he comes there and just puts the hurt in <laughs> He, he doesn't do nothing over there. I mean, he's running well, second in those races. Yeah. Races, I, 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 he's I not mean, crushed. He's not coming. He's not crushing them like he does. He's not winning. Yeah. He's not winning. over. Well, he didn't just win. Like the Woodbine race was, was a destruction. 
know, he came over here and just like like destroyed our horses. Like the two year olds races. I mean, look at Friday's races. There's a first one. The one <laughs> Mischief Magic and, and that other horse that only had three starts. Running one two. And and it was a gap between yeah. them and the rest of the field. I mean, the, we we didn't just lose the race, the two year old races. I mean, we got annihilated in the two year races. Embarrassing. Tuesday sets a track record. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't. I, I think Ryan Moore did a really good job. Um, you know, Aiden O'Brien took a little heat because his record was a little soft over the last few years, but uh, <laughs> but part of it too is is that uh, well, someone had said, and they made the point about you know they don't send their very best horses over here. Said, yeah, maybe not, but they're sending the horses that are best suited for racing here, and I think that Aiden O'Brien has, has, has learned. And I think Charlie Appleby has definitely figured out what horses um, would be best off here under our circumstances. It's not like every single horse in Europe wants a bog. Some of them do prefer, you know, firmer ground, and, and some of them can get around turns. Obviously, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you you looked at the results of the top turf races in this country for the last couple of years, obviously they have horses that can do that. Um, but I think, uh, I, I really think Ryan Moore rode well in that Phillies and Mares turf, um, to win with Tuesday because the, the other horse who was the, I think was the favorite, um, the John Gosden horse, the Holly Doyle raced, uh, rode, she got a little too far behind. Yeah. She left that horse with too much to do, and but she's very inexperienced riding in this country versus Moore, who's been here for, for years now and more kept that horse a couple lengths ahead um, and, and didn't get too far behind an Italian who, who ran a really good race. I mean, an Italian ran, um, she ran a winning effort. Um, I mean, the, the fractions were, she was uh, prompted by, by toy and, and the fractions were, you know, super legit and, um, I mean, that was probably our best chance of winning a turf race. I mean, I know we won the turf sprint, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But <laughs> that, that race is you know, a little bit uh, a little bit of a hodgepodge race, you know. Um, what about the turf? I mean, what were your feelings on that? The Rebels Romance? Um, who moved to five for five on the grass now. And, and uh, all five were are, are, are at the same distance, twelve furlongs. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's won five grade or four grade ones, I think. Uh, he's five for five on the turf. He's five for five at, at a mile and a half. <laughs> and somehow or another, he wasn't the favorite. I think, other than the turf sprint, the best horses won. Sprint was uh, um, I mean I I almost feel like 
I mean, I was pretty adamant after the Saratoga race that Golden Powell was not winning the Breeders' Cup sprint this year. No, you said it several times. I mean, I was pretty adamant about it. And I just wish it had happened with him on the lead and just getting run down. Because, right, because he has use now. Or, like, or maybe not. not broke back. Maybe having to work a lot harder than he usually does early in the race, which is what I thought would happen. Um, I cannot say that I expected him to not break. And I, I don't think, I think the, the assistant starter took a little more heat than he should have. The reason the horse was still in his hands is because the horse wasn't breaking. Right, not, not because he held him. He didn't move. <laughs> no, he, he didn't. He didn't. You know, they, they have a hold of the horse and they push him out of there. Well, you can't push out a horse that doesn't break. And um, I have to think that the Ascot race this summer where the horse, you know, where Irad wasn't ready to break and rushed him up. Yeah, that has to have some sort of effect physically uh, or, or even, you know, mentally. It's The mental side is always a little bit fuzzy, you know, <laughs> but um you know, he didn't break that good in Saratoga. And then they kind of, like, tried to play it off like that was the plan. Though that seems odd. <laughs> and, um, you know, then he broke good in the Woodford. Yeah, he looked like his old self. But he, he really, even in that race, you know, you look at, you watch that race over. You, no, you watch, I, I was with you. It didn't look as explosive as what the no. final time and all that was. Uh, and, you know, I read, got to the eighth race started whacking him with the whip and yeah i noticed that he's he, he really kind of went after him and, and he didn't gallop out at all i mean and i know sometimes people think well you know gallop out but you go back and look at some of his other races right he couldn't slow down yeah he, he was yeah no i definitely be i think it was the uh it was in the breeders cup the last, last year yeah at, at keeneland and and he just he almost went another lap yeah, he was he was way way around the back stretch there, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it did kind of like you said. I think on our show, um, that they were just kind of trying to get him to the finish line. Yeah, yeah. There had been talk early in the year. Yeah, about doing some stuff, maybe going to Australia for a big sprint over there before he we went to stud here and. Uh, maybe Hong Kong, blah blah blah, and then um, then the Ascot happened, and then Saratoga happened, and then there was that crazy talk of running on the dirt. Dirt, yeah. And they they ran him, you know, they worked him on Keeneland, and he worked <clears throat> terrible on the dirt. So that plan got nixed because they were going to run him in the Phoenix. Remember? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and he the, you know, the doors and, open. As it turns out, this would have been the year to do it. <laughs> yep. This would have been the perfect year to do it. You know, had he been able to, like, actually handle the dirt better and, then, you know, been better physically, this would have been the year to, to try to sprint. But, um, yeah, it just was – and you know what pissed me off about that thing? And then this aggravated me. And this is aggravating for years now. That if we had exchange wagering, I would have cleaned up on that race. Because I could have just played against yes. yeah. Golden Powell. I could have just given odds. I, I would have made him. I said I would have made him like two to one, three to one. Take it. I'll take your money. Bet on him. You want to take him at that price? Go ahead. But I, I, I be honest. I, I could look at that race a hundred times and not come up with Caravel. 
not not just you know Carroll's been gifted leads before and 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 taking advantage. I just thought somebody would run with you know n- n- nobody nobody came. It was just like it was almost like everybody was shocked. Even the horses were shocked that Golden Pal wasn't in front of them. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> and Carroll just kept running, and it was like it, it was over. I was like, wait a minute. And how did that horse? And she got you know, she got to the lead. I just, it's hard for me to to, to try to figure that race out and, and say, yeah, Caravel's going to win. And this this is the scenario where Caravel wins, right? Like if, yes. Even if Golden Pal like didn't break, she wasn't the one I thought would be on the lead. I thought if, if that happened, that Artemis horse of makers, right? The, yeah, but he uh, way outside the fourteen. Right? Was yeah. it the fourteen? Yeah. Yes, the fourteen. But um, but nay, hey, I guess she she was in the sale today, but scratched, I believe. Hmm. I don't know what that means if they're going to keep racing her. Um, but um, the Campanelle who came out of that same race, she sold for five million bucks <laughs> today. <laughs> Jeez, man! How many yeah. races does she have? Six. She did not have a lot. I think. I think no. She started at two, so I think she had like eight. She she's on the like three year plan, but she sold for five million bucks today. Um, that was not a stellar ride by Frankie Dettori either. Frankie is uh, he's like Kawhi Leonard at this point. He's showing his age. And the write up I I wrote that on Moira, in the in the Philly Mare Turf. I said, you know, dude, was, if this was the two thousand two Frankie, and he said, you know what, even from the outside post, this guy might he might find a way. The twenty twenty two Frankie, he, he doesn't find ways anymore. And and you know, this summer Gosden and him got into it, and Gosden fired him. And I thought Gosden was kind of being a douche. <laughs> but now, after I've seen him ride, <laughs> I understand why I fired him. <laughs> Even though the, the 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 replacement rider, I don't think, is ever going to be nearly as good as Frankie Dettori at his peak. But, uh, yeah. I mean, Mike Smith rode, what, one horse the whole weekend? Mm. I mean, guys get to a certain age. And, I mean, it happens to all of them. Cordero, it happened to George Velasquez, it happened to Jacinto Vasquez, it happened to Bill Shoemaker. You know, it's they they all get old. I mean, it's a hard, demanding job and um didn't happen to Russell Bays. Well did at the end. I mean, at the very <laughs> end, he, he he couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't ride. He couldn't ride well, eight. A lot of them. You know, he couldn't guys, ride eight a day. A lot of guys, <laughs> just, like Pat Day, got hurt. Yeah. It just was kind of like, hey, and Jerry Bailey walked away. Uh, Bailey was one of the few that just said, you know, he, he probably could have ridden at a high level for a couple more years, but uh, he had had enough. And I mean, it's it's a tough job. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say, it. do we complain about jockeys' rides? Of course we do. But. Uh, but it is a tough job, and, and you know, it's it's a young man's game, it really is, <laughs> or a younger man's game. Um, dirt mile. I want to hear your thoughts on the dirt mile. The dirt mile. You know what I'm gonna say, but 
I, I, I thought the the morning line on um, at nine to two on Cyberknife was was not a good line. I thought, dream. I thought dream. he was going to be five to two, and I was hoping for seven to two. Unfortunately, I got five to two, and because of that, I actually played less, so I probably saved money. But um, <laughs> I mean, to me, he was the horse to bet in there just because. The mile with the run-up is was almost a mile and seventy yards, so um, it's basically a two-turn race. And I said to myself, "Who's the best two-turn horse race horse in there?" And I, and I thought it was Cyberknife. And I thought that there was enough speed, even with Laurel River scratched, that was going to be an honest pace. And I, I thought that he, I thought he would get the trip he got. And the fact of the matter was that. Um, Mott's horse was was just better. I mean, I don't have any excuses for for uh, cyber cyber knife at all. I mean, I think he just got beat by a better horse on the day. I mean, you know, I, th- I thought slow down Andy ran a good race. Yeah, um, definitely. Surprisingly, you know, just kind of sat sat there, let things develop, and I, I saw Gutierrez kind of got criticized for a ride but uh, why I, I don't have any understanding of, of why someone criticized he, he was out man there he was out gun that, he, that he, horse gave, was, he put him in a perfect out. position i mean i, I don't know why people he, he rode that excellent but no i thought cody's wish was uh i thought i just i think he just was a little better i mean i, I think he was probably a little bit further behind early than i thought he might get but mm, that's where i have issue with it because i i <laughs> it just f- felt like um, Cyberknife was should have won that race. Yeah, I mean, you could make a case that uh, the guy with the lifts the weights outrode the guy. You practice, the- you practice. <laughs> Take the weights and you practice. The the clip that you put up on Twitter of of, of uh, Junior <laughs> and 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 and. Uh, Flojo, man, that's that's just classic. <laughs> and to have them come down in a Breeders' Cup race, and you know, yeah, there's a lot of layers to that tweet that people didn't catch. Yeah, or maybe they did. Uh, it, was, it was good though, <laughs> like that. But uh, no, I mean, I, I don't think Cyber Jeff, the Cyber Jet, like, like, I'll be tired, happy when he's retired. So I'm to say, keep saying the same wrong. Uh, I, I just think he got outright. I mean, after the race, I wasn't. I just, yeah, you know what? Cody's wish was just the better horse. I mean, Cody's wish ran, he ran really well in, in the, the forego. I mean, he was the only horse that day that made up a that lot made of ground. ground. He was against the track, too. On, on the outside. It was a hell of a race. That, that race actually was, to me, more impressive than the Breeders' Cup one. You know, if it had been a one-turn mile, I, I, I would have thought, I would have really liked Cody's wish. Right. He would have been, he probably would have been bet like it too. He probably would have been under two to one. You know, the two turn race he had was at Tampa and he ran all right that day. But and got beat. Yeah. He got beat and he didn't run bad, but no, he, he didn't. got a lot better when he went to one turn and maybe he just got a lot better, period. Uh, and Mott horses seem like, you know, this is kind of his thing, you know, um, horses. And, and that, you know, Bill Mott's horses traditionally got better and were at their peak at four years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Mott was, was like a 5% or 7% first time out trainer. 
Um, and he, you know, kind of didn't even try to win first time out until it just, um, you know, the game changed and, and you had to start trying to win first time out. And, and he did. He, his, his numbers got you know a lot more respectable doing that because he changed the focus. But his game, his horses still are better at four. Um, they still keep improving, you know, and uh, I think Olympiad and Cody's Wish are, are perfect examples. I think Elite Power is, is another example of, of, you know, Mott's patience and, and, and his ability to, to work through allowance conditions, not rush the horses and, and let them be who they eventually want to be. And uh, I mean, the guy's a, a Hall of Fame trainer and he's sometimes maybe he gets overlooked these days because he um because he doesn't get on the triple crown trail that often and um you know that that's a factory he, he's not going to be the leading trainer in new york anymore because he just doesn't have the numbers he's got a big huge barn but he, he still doesn't have the numbers to compete with brown and, and pletcher for the saratoga title but bill Mott's great and he's just been great for a long long time and uh i remember when you know, like you were just talking about, um, you know, kind of winning first time out. <clears throat> and he started winning races first time out. Uh, man, that was like a great time in horse racing history betting for me because I got on that train real quick. And his his horses were running at double digit odds first time out and they were winning. Yeah, he he changed. I mean, and that's, that's I remember of a, of a great trainer that you know when when you can um, do things out of your comfort zone. Yeah, he adapted to the situation. I mean, that's 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 a mark of any great coach. I'm sure you know it's it's definitely an asset as a as a you know thoroughbred racehorse trainer too. <laughs> but he had a great Breeders' Cup. I mean, uh, elite power. I mean, talk about the sprint. Um, and we kind of made fun of Elite Powers Vosberg. And it wasn't because of Elite Power. Mm -hmm. He actually ran well that day. He crushed that group. But he's supposed to crush that group because it was a, a terrible field for the Vosberg. Um I saw someone say, oh, well, everybody said it was a bad field. It, it was a bad It was. It was, it was a workout. He was the only legitimate horse in there, and that was his first stake win. And and he just he he won like you know under wraps because the rest of the horses are not stake horses. And, and the Vosberg has had some issues. Um, maybe people will take a look at it again as a prep. But Elite Power was good the other day. But I mean the the on paper this sprint looked terrible going in. It looked like Jackie's Warrior and everybody else. Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. Um, and Jackie's Warrior had no excuse. I mean, he just just didn't do anything from this jump. I right? don't know what happened to that horse, but his last two races, he didn't have the same early speed that he had earlier in the year and earlier in his career. But if you remember the race against Cody's Wish. Mm -hmm. Pipeline took it to took him. Took him to him, yeah. And I don't know anyone that expected that to happen. Not um, that day, no. Because Jackie's Warrior had to work to get rid of Pipeline that day. 
he had to work hard, and that that was unexpected. And yes, Cody's wish ran great, but that was really a sign, and I missed it. And I didn't miss it that day, but I just kind of played it off because I said, you know, maybe the track's a little deeper than he liked it, and he won so easier in the you know earlier in the meet, and his races at Belmont were were like you know super super good, and he was. He was very, very sharp early in those races. And the other day against that Super Ocho horse, <laughs> who wasn't even wasn't even a sprinter until those last couple of races, the horse used to run long on the turf. And he, yeah, I could tell going into the turn, he was in trouble. Yeah, he was definitely in trouble. <laughs> because he wasn't making up ground on that horse. And, you know... On his best, he inhales that horse by the turn. You know, when he's on his game, the Super Ocho is is, is in his rearview mirror by the time he hits the top of the stretch. Shit, man, he couldn't get him. And Super Ocho stopped in the stretch, just got tired. But, um, you know, Elite Power just picked the pieces up. And do I think it's a great race? No, I, I don't. I don't think the time was that great. I don't. I think he won the race by more by default than anything. But I think Elite Power is is a horse that's really on the improve, and he's gotten better and better and better. Um, and I'm not going to take away anything for winning that race. And if I had an Eclipse Award vote, I would probably vote for him for Breeders for, for Sprint Champion because. If you look at the other contenders, uh, Jackie's Warrior. You can still give it. Do you Jack- really feel like you're? The, does it really feel right to give that to Jackie's Warrior when when he's coming off of two losses and he lost that Breeders' Cup fair and square? I mean, mm. it just to me, it's like he got he got it last year because there wasn't a real viable candidate and Aloha right. hadn't won any races. That that'd be what this year's would be too if he were to get it. And and I and I really say no this help. as someone who who really kind of holds your nose when you look at the Vosberg, and that it's hard for me to give horse a whole lot of credit for winning that race. But I look at the other options, and I mean, you, I guess you could vote for Jack Christopher. He won the, you, the Woody you Stevens. To, right? He won the Woody Stevens, and he won the Alan Jerkins, and 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 he never even raced against older horses. Um, so, I mean, you could put him as a candidate. I saw someone today on Twitter put a poll up and, and had Cody's wish as a candidate. Now, I don't, if you're going to make Cody's wish a candidate for winning one stake on a, in a sprint, then you could make life as good a candidate too, because he won the, the Nerud. Right. Where he destroyed Speaker's Corner, which is probably a better race than any of the races we just mentioned. <laughs> I mean, that was probably the best sprint performance of the year. Was Life is Good beating Speaker's Corner in the Nehru. Um uh, I'd say that Jackie's Warrior race at Saratoga. Yeah, Sorry. but it was another case of, yeah, he carried weight, but he beat, like, nobody. Yeah, true. <sighs> yeah, where did this division go, man? It's, like, sour now. You know, a couple of years ago, even with, you know, Mind Your Biscuits and... Imperial hint, it was, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. it's like we're, nobody wants to spring or what's going on. I mean, Willie Boy, for real. 
it, it it's it's a strange phenomenon because I mean I sat here and said well one of the big reasons why we can't win top level um, grass races anymore is because all the good mares going somewhere else but our sprinters have usually not been um, products of great mares a lot of times it, it's obscure breeding that just you know super fast horses but I mean, this sprint we we ran this year, there wasn't even a lot. There wasn't any speed in the race. Super Ultra doesn't even go to the front. <laughs> yeah, that was surprising. Like, when, when that horse out there winging it and, and Jackie's Warrior wasn't making up any ground, I was like, oh, man, this is going to get crazy. The only race that almost Super did. It almost worked in my favor because I had CZ. Yeah, that's the thing. CZ who's been done is unwashed up for two right. years. Right, and he runs a bang up second in a race like that. Yeah. <laughs> almost won, to be honest. It's baffling. It's it's baffling to me. It was that's how bad though. I mean that that should sum up how bad this this. And it's not just this year. No, last year wasn't very good either. And the year before Whitmore won it. That race, I think he won two because it had that uh, the Japanese horse went to yeah, the heat, but but I think he won two races that year, the, yeah. the sprint and like the the count fleet or something. At Oakland. I mean, that it's, it's almost like the the back the back in I don't know, it just seems crazy that there's not even speed. I mean, this race didn't even have speed horses in it, and, and as it turns out, um, you know. Gunite probably should have run in the sprint. Sprint, yeah. I saw Craig said that. He sees yeah, that's. Him. I thought that horse. That's where they were going to run. Yeah, I was surprised to see him in the mall, especially around two turns, especially coming back on two weeks against older horses. It just seemed like it's too much to ask. It just didn't seem like the right spot to me because he's plenty fast enough to keep up early. But um. Yeah, he might have went wire to wire. <laughs> it might have, and and that's the crazy part about it. And you know the other part, I'm sure the Chad Brown is sitting here saying, <laughs> "Yeah, Jack Christopher dust that field." <laughs> Jack Christopher, I know. Yeah, I, I was saying it. I, I know he said it. <laughs> you know what? He probably would have dusted that field. I just think, yo, Jack Christopher dust that field. <laughs> they gave him, you know, an extra Laps. five minutes to warm up, man. He'd run five. <laughs> Ah, he'll be all right. Let him go. <laughs> I know. I know he said it because I was all over that. That was the first thing came out of my mouth to myself. Right. And if he wins like, that race, of course he's a lock as the, the the sprint champion. Yeah. Which is what? Which is why it made it far more sense to run in that race than it would have made sense to run in the mile. Yeah. Which I, I didn't really understand why he would run him in the mile. I mean, to me that made no sense, but uh, the mile, the sprint made perfect sense. I thought the I thought the Phillies and Maris sprint was bizarre. I mean, Chad Brown. <laughs> Isn't it always? But Goodnight Olive, I, I don't know what she what her deal is, but but she's she's a, a very fortunate horse and she's a talented horse. I mean, she got a great well, trip. twice. She drew Two races really- in a row. She she got a great trip because uh, she just wound up in the Garden Spot again and. I, I was really surprised that, that Lady Rocket and, and Echo Zulu weren't really sent out of there from the outside post. Didn't try her at all. Like I, I don't understand why they didn't run. I, I don't know what that was about, but uh, 
I don't know. It was it was just bizarre to me to think from from the outside post, Echo Zulu wouldn't be contesting the lead on the end. Yeah, where else are you gonna go? I mean, right? You're you're gonna decide. Well, we're gonna try rating in the Breeders' Cup sprint from the outside post. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and Lady Rocket too. She's a speed horse. Well, back to you, what you're saying about the the perfect trips for Good Night All. That was the reason I didn't want to bet her because of that perfect trip at, at Saratoga. No, and that, that's what Jason said in, in uh, the on the the preview the podcast. He said, "Listen, I think she won that race at the draw. She got the outside post. Mm-hmm. All the 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 uh, the chaos was inside of her, and she just kind of got the you know the trip that right. She was wide and clear, and worked and out fell into the the garden spot. And this race, the same thing. Happened. Same thing. Same thing. It's same crazy. Thing so, well, you know, she's a deserving winner, and uh, she'll I'm sure win the Eclipse Award. But uh, you know, I bet Wesley is probably having second thoughts about Kim Ari. Maybe he should have put her in the uh, Phillies and Mares. Instead of trying to boy, she she was kind of a disappointment in the sprint. She really didn't. Do yeah, much she running. finished way back. Yeah, and the Japanese horse, she didn't do anything. No. Uh, in the in the filly, she's actually retired. She's going to be bred to a U.S. stallion this this spring. Um, you want to talk about the two year old races, the dirt races? Sure, why not? What were your what were your impressions of the the juvenile with, uh, and that was a great call by Jay because he said I think yeah. the the one is going to duel with Cave Rock and and that's exactly what happened. Called it, yeah. Cave Rock, you know, had some issues. Was very green. Didn't switch leads in the stretch. Not that I think that would have you know won him the race, but it would have made it a little closer. But Forte. Look way more professional, and and just you know switched leads and and kind of took off. Really strong finisher. I, I like that. Um, but you know, K Rock will be back. They'll get they'll get that straightened up, and and this horse will be as fast as ever when it counts. Tim Yakteen will have them all straightened out by the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> There's no talk about that stuff yet, huh? Not yet. There will be though. It's well, be. It's I com- saw a couple. I saw a couple people crack jokes about the Baffert Maiden that, that won. Uh, oh, Arabian Night. Yeah, the, like that horse a lot. Three million dollar horse. Going on the record, I like that horse a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> he galloped in the first race, and someone said, yeah, no, "No one was happier than Tim Yakteen. Yes, he's got his Derby horse." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, there ain't a whole hell of a lot happening past December, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about the the Derby Trail and how everything's gonna. Uh, yeah, and and one other thing out, about, out in the West Coast. One other thing about the 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 Cave Rock race, um, Forte, they were pretty far ahead of everybody else, which they were. I didn't think they were. I you know. I thought they were better, those two specifically, but um, I didn't think they'd dominate the race like that, and they, they did. Yeah, the time was, was a lot faster than the Phillies, too. It was it was significantly faster, and the Phillies with similar fractions. Would you, um, 
But I think, you know, obviously Forte is going to be two-year-old champion and, and a deserving future book favorite for the Kentucky Derby because, I, I mean, I don't think there's really any question that that horse um, should be able to get a mile and a quarter, right? Shouldn't be, right? I mean, I, I would think he, he wouldn't. He seems like he's got enough pedigree, and certainly his running style is, is suitable. He's got some tactical speed, but he can sit in. And, and I thought I read, you know, we give him a lot of shit, but uh, he rode the horse perfectly. I mean, he made the move at the right time. And Yeah, definitely did. It, I mean, much to be desired on his ride on Nest, which we'll probably get to in a minute. But Yeah. Um, yeah, with the Phillies, you know, uh, I, I underestimated Wonder Wheel. Um, because I wasn't sure how she was going to react to kind of coming off the pace rather than be closer to the pace, you know, the first time. But she ran a race and she was good. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly like they were, you know. She got a similar trip. Anything. The, the race was actually kind of slow. but she, she got a similar trip to Forte. She kind of sat on the inside, yep. moved out. and uh, definitely gave, Like we had called. The fact that she wasn't going to be on the lead, I yeah, did not definitely, think we're all over. That. A lot of people thought she's going to be on the lead, and I said he sent the last race because he had to. He had, had to one, and he was going to get buried. But you know, with the John Terranova's filly, the two horse drawing inside of her, um, it just looked like that. That you know, why would she get him a speed duel with that horse when she can sit? The horse has shown that she's got the ability to to rate a little bit, so. Uh, it was, yeah, I mean, it was a much slower race. And, uh, like, Chop Chop was the horse I really, you know, I threw out. I, I threw, I didn't use her. Yeah, I didn't like that horse at all. Um, and she, you know, she got a, a she was wide throughout, exactly. but, I mean, she didn't run at all. She she was the last. And Chocolate Chilada was a disappointment, too. She was second to last. Uh, we, we heard reports of a lot of horses bleeding. Um, I would not be surprised if, if, if both of those. Chocolate Gelato really stopped. Yeah. Um, you stopped, like, you know, you can see it. And I, I really don't feel like talking about Lasix tonight, but. Uh, you know what it is. There, there's. <laughs> Everybody there's, knows. There's a lot of horses that bled. Yeah. And if the people at Heisa and the Jockey Club and, and all the, the Lasix haters really cared about horses. Every single horse in every single great stakes in America would be scoped and the records would be kept. But that's not happening. That's not happening. And there's a reason for that because they know what the results are going to be and they don't like it. The fact that Heisa talks and says that they need one, an, another study on LASIK. We've had a million studies and, and some of us have been doing a practical study on this for about 30 years. We know everything about it. We know what it does. We know how it affects the horses. We know what the side effects are, and they're not that big of a deal. We know how effective it is. Is it perfect? No. But it, it, it's it's disconcerting that they're lying, and they are definitely lying. They're going to ban Lasix. There's nothing that any study is going to show Uh and it's going to happen, and it's going to be a disaster, and it's still probably a couple years away. But if you like erratic form, and you like seeing horses who are the favorites running last, you know you're going to be you're going to have fun with it because uh, you know 
it's uh it sucks but uh so how how do they how do they survive without it or highly regulated in in europe in the... uh, horses in europe don't run that's a, that's the one thing that people seem to, to you know miss the average horse in france starts like three times the average horse in ireland starts like three or four times that's it they don't run on dirt they don't train in the in the places that we train and it's a it's a completely different game mm-hmm. and it's it's you know it's almost it almost doesn't matter because we have our own issues here that they don't have there vice versa and it's it's something that um you know dirt racing especially dirt racing is tougher on horses than, than than turf racing turf racing horses get over the ground better um and, and of course this is a generalization but you know the racing, the the style of racing there is is much different than ours. ours. Ours is much more conducive to early speed, and to horses going fast early and and slowing down as the races slow down. And you'll see people say, "Oh, it's training." It's, oh, that's a crock of shit. <laughs> you can't train a horse any differently because they're on LASIK or not on LASIK. There's nothing to do with it. It's the stupidest thing. It'd be like saying that that um, uh, the, the the basketball coach trained his his team differently or they practice differently because uh, guys weren't allowed to wear knee braces. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah, oh, they're horsemen. They would know how to train them not to not bleed. Well, all the horses over in Europe bleed and they come here. Pretty much. You know, that was always for years that that's what happened. Chris Lamont's going to make the hall of fame based upon horses that bled in Ireland and then in England. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's silly, and, you know. But I guess that I don't really want to talk about it. Uh, let, let's talk about the distaff because that was about as good of a race as you could have. I It'd mean, be the highlight of the weekend for it, not Flightline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what a tremendous great race, race man. turned out to be. Our guy Steve that always disagrees with me. Um, he needed blue note. Which, oh man! Which was, gotta be. I watched that race. I swear, I watched that stretch run five different times, and I said, every time I thought she was gonna win, <laughs> she looks like she's gonna win right until the last jump. In the yeah, race. I saw Malka was wasn't gonna reach, and she reached and got there. I it was it was crazy, man. That was a that was a great horse race. Period. It really was. Mm. It was kind of a nice rivalry that Malathat and Clarier, who was on mm-hmm. the side, had developed. And um, I don't know what the plans for Clarier are, but I know Malathat is going to be um, is, is retired. They announced that she should be bred to a, a high profile stallion. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I just had to laugh, man. <laughs> No. Oh, you're not going to go to Oscar performance? Got <laughs> <laughs> to get a turf horse? <laughs> what? Come on. Hey, Speaker's Corner's going to stud. <laughs> we, can no. you, we can get you a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Two for one. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was a great race. Uh, I have no idea what Irad was doing. I mean... He got lost from the jump, man. He was... <laughs> He was out there, literally. She broke, and he angled wide. 
And then he just stayed out there. Like, I don't understand why he, he right. He didn't pass any horses. He he, he just decided went. like on the turn, the first turn, he just was gonna be four wide, and he didn't need to be, but he just was gonna be four wide. Then on the backside, like midway down the backside, he makes like the power move on the outside. Right, like, he, he went. Right, I was like, and where is he going? They're never gonna let him clear. This is not these. These aren't these aren't trotters. Yeah, these aren't thirty claimers. Like. You know. Like, where's he going? He's six wide. He just got himself in a, in a jam because, uh, um, you know, he just lost so much ground on both turns. And, you know, between her, her and, and, and Secret Oath kind of fading. Because turn of her own Secret Oath looked good. I told you, man. I, I knew she was gonna perk up a little bit. And then by the by the eighth pole, she looked like and she was out of gas, man. Yeah. She she was she was looking. Maybe for the cutback is imminent. But um, there goes seven. Maybe the three eights, uh, the three year olds, just weren't that good. You know, I don't know. I, I think I still have a hard time believing that. I, I think Secret Oath was tired going into this race. I mean, she's danced every Clearly. single dance, and I just think that if you gave. Nest the same ride that she still Claire got. She still finishes where she did. Who? Nest. No. no Even no. with a better ride. No, no, no. She she wins the race. No the, way. Yes. I don't think so. She, she just didn't seem to have it. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough call. But I, 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 I don't think she finishes as strong. <clears throat> well. We won't never know. Yeah. Until but that was I, I mean the horse had no chance with the ride she got. No, she she hadn't even less of a chance. Which I thought was was good on her that she actually did finish where she did because I she overcame a lot of uh human error and still ran pretty good. So I, you know, she only got she only got beat by three lengths. Right, I she pers- lost she lost five lengths on the turns. No matter where she ends up, she's not going to lose the next race. <laughs> you know, she she got beat. Uh, yeah, I mean it was she was three lengths behind Clarier. Yes, yeah, so the secret oath was scratched from the sale to bringing her back next year, but I don't think they're turning her back. You, you, you don't bring a horse like that back to run her in seven ace races. I just don't think it'll happen. She'll be a champion. Maybe I'm wrong, but but uh, no, just, I, I don't. I don't. There's just it. not that many. No, the problem with that division is something we spoke about this summer. They don't have any races. No, there's the the Madison is a Grade One at Keeneland in April. The Derby Day um, distaff on on Derby Day is is second grade one. There's not another grade one. Now remember that's that's first that's the first Saturday in May. There's not another grade one to the end of August for three year old for older males or older female turf uh, older female sprinters and grade ones. I'm talking about, uh, and that's the uh, the ballerina. And then I don't think there's another one until. Um, until uh, the Breeders' Club Sprint. And there's a couple. Uh, the test is a grade one for three-year-olds. There's a test, yeah. But, it's... but but that's really it. 
And yes, there's some grade twos and grade threes, but some of them are six furlongs and six and a half too. So I, I just don't see secret oath running three quarters. But um, yeah, I don't know that. that I mean, I, I didn't see any announcements for Clarier if you know what they're going to do. Maybe they don't even know themselves. Uh, Blue Stripe is, I think, was sold, wasn't she? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think Nest is coming back. I hope so. Maybe she'll show up at Tampa again. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about Search Results Society. I don't really care about Awake at Midnight. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, lately the, the mares, the Phillies have been more likely to return than, uh, than the boys. Um, got any other Breeders Cup thoughts? I thought it was it was good. No no major mishaps. The injuries um kind of darkened the spirit a little bit, but you know the distaff and the classic were excellent. So wasn't bad. There there last year was worse. This year was better. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, a little disconcerting seeing that uh, um, you know, talking about the trend earlier about horses going overseas and there weren't a lot of American-based owners that won races. Mm-mm. And uh, Appleby and Aiden O'Brien put on a clinic I think Charlie, uh, not Charlie, but, um, William Buick is winning like like 70%. <laughs> At least 60, right? It's, it's, it's absurd. <laughs> it's, it really is. It really is. Uh, the one race he didn't win was the, um, the turf with, uh, Nation's Pride, who, who was, was right behind, um, Oh, don't get me started about that one. Yeah, what's his name? Horse? Stone Age. I had Stone Age. Yeah, the horse stopped right in front of Nation's Pride, and he got stuck behind him. And that doesn't happen to William Buick very often, but he got in. He got himself in a jam in that race. And uh, his entry mate, of course, takes uh, most uncoupled entry mate took full advantage of it, but um. Yeah, Stone Age is not even considered like a, you know. Yes, this year, William Buick in North America has 11 starts, six wins, one second, three thirds. <laughs> for a cool $3.6 million in earnings. <laughs> oh, my God, man. <laughs> 11 starts. <laughs> Uh, he's averaging 199,000 a start. No, no, that, that's him. Uh, sorry, that, that, that's him lifetime in North America. Amazingly enough, he's only 22% lifetime in North America, but he's also made what was he before run. this like 60% run? Well, last year he was three for four, uh, <laughs> the year before he was 0 for two, the year before he was one for seven, the year before that was one for six. So Oh, he wins in bunches. Yeah. Duly noted. 
Yeah, but this year was uh, last year he did good. Last year, I mean, he was three for four. He made three point seven million bucks, which was uh, an average of uh, nine hundred twenty-five thousand bucks a start. <laughs> but uh, this year, you know, he yeah, the, he he couldn't make him look that bad twice. Like, yeah, he had to give some back. Like here, you, he, he's in the top three, uh, 82 percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> It's just they're just comical numbers. He's he's uh, in the last two years he's twelve for fourteen, one two three, with nine wins. <laughs> oh my god, man! He must love it when he gets the call and like, hey, running one over, over in America. You trying to go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get it, loser. <laughs> We're going to win a race. Chuck Appleby uses the U.S. like a freaking ATM machine. He's like, yeah, I gotta, we gotta ship one over. We gotta get some. Money. Wonder if he's got like a separate accountant to handle his U.S. <laughs> uh, earnings. <laughs> because he's actually, um, he's he's won even more uh, than. I mean, Buick hasn't been over here for all of the the wins. I know, right? Didn't he win the 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 Belmont Derby or whatever? Um, what's the name with the Tory? On yeah. the race at at uh, at Backwaduck. Backwaduck, yeah. In Canada, right? <laughs> Charlie Appleby this year is eight for seventeen in the U.S. with four seconds and two thirds. It's wild, man. He's made six point five million dollars in the rings. Six point five million in earnings this year. That's so basically most of his wins were million dollar races. A lot of them, yeah. Um, he's currently nineteenth in North America in earnings. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Charlie Appleby has earned more money this year in North America than Graham Ocean, than Shug McGahee, than uh, Deodoro. Uh, he's earned more money than Claudio Gonzalez, who's made 726 starts. <laughs> That's absurd, man. It's it's it's. He's made more money than Linda Rice. He's made more money than Rudy Rodriguez and Joe Sharp and, and Tom Amos <laughs> and Brett Calhoun. <laughs> uh, he's made more. He's made almost double Ian Wilkes, Mike Stidham, who has 321 starts. <sighs> uh, it's nuts, man. Just, uh, just crazy. Just kind of crazy. Oh, well. I got to be honest. I, I, don't, I don't. And I know there's still, you know, racing to go. But like, who's that? Who, who's in, in, in the lead for the Eclipse Award for champion trainer this year? Usual suspects. 
Mine. I mean, does 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 the Pletch win the two Breeders' Cup races? Put him over the top because uh, Belmont, him, Chad, him, Chad Brown, and Asmussen are, are, are real close in earnings. Yeah, I think that might do it. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of big races left to be run, but uh, I don't know. I guess there's not a. I don't. I guess there's not a real standout in any any of the human divisions. No, not not this year. The Godolphin will probably get the um, owner. Owner. I mean, they went through Breeders' Cup races. They'll probably get the breeder since they're the breeder of all those races, all those horses too. They won a. They've won a lot of races this a lot. year. Yeah, they won a lot last year too. I guess in those categories, it's just uh, attrition. They just. I mean, you're just going to give it to the biggest outfits. It's just the way it's going to be, right? Unless there's like a triple crown winner. And you know, someone made a quote today about uh, about Flightline and uh, how people are going to criticize the Eclipse Award voters that decide not to vote for him. And my comment was, well, in the older horse category, uh, who exactly are you going to vote for? Right. Who, if it's not him, then who? Like you may not like three race campaigns, and I, I don't really know anybody that says, "Yeah, this is what you know." That's what we're looking for. But I kind of don't know how you vote against the horse who wins the Met Mile, the Pacific Classic, and the uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic all by open lengths and beats every single other horse who possibly could even be listed. Right? Who else could it be? <laughs> I mean, who else could have? That's always my question. Well, who could you possibly vote for in that category? <laughs> I mean, it's not like there's some turf horse out there that's, that's uh, you know, winning all our races. You're certainly not voting for any of them sprinters. The question is, does somebody have the balls not to vote for Flightline? I, I bet you someone does. I bet you someone votes for some stupid. Why? It's ridiculous, man. Well, there's way too many people voting for these things anyway. I know, yeah. I mean, way too many. About 90% of the people should have their votes taken away. Way, way, way too many. I'll go out on a limb and say if somebody does actually do that, they'll probably vote Rich Strike. Yeah, right. They'll make some kind of sentimental vote. But, uh, I mean, that was one of the things I wrote in the preview about Flightline was that, you know, oddly enough, you would think that I would be someone who would be, like, harshly opposed to giving horse of the year to a, a horse with three races. Channel maker? But, I mean, who else do you give it to? <laughs> then- who else really was... Horse of the year. He was horse of the year. He wasn't out there much. I know he wasn't. He was. But it's not like there's some other. It's not you know. It's not like Malice that ran off six wins in a row. She dominated her division. It's not like there's any turf horses at all who who you know did more than. (laughs) They don't even get uh, consideration. 
I mean, I'm assuming that, that Warlike Goddess is going to be female turf champion because... Um, Who else is there? I mean, Regal... What's her name? Regal Glory ran good early in the year, but... Right, but you know, not she late. hasn't won. She had a good record. It just, you know, she didn't really... If she had won the Breeders' Cup mile, she would have won it. But, um... Yeah, I mean, who else do you vote for? <laughs> I mean, it just gets to the point of, like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess Epicenter is the three-year-old of the year. Yeah, that would make sense. Unless something happens because it wasn't like Taiba ran, you know, close to Flight 9 or... <laughs> I mean, none of the three-year-olds really distinguished themselves in that race that you would think that they would leap over Epicenter, who who did win, what did he win, like four greatest stakes this year? Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody else really did it. I don't know any of the other contenders are even going to run the rest of the year. I'm sure Ty was done until the springtime. And Cyberknife is retired. Rich Strike hasn't won a race since the Derby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of horses. If you think about it, the Preakness winner is retired. The Derby, or the, excuse me, the uh, the Belmont winner is retired. The Haskell winner is retired. The Travers winner is retired. It's ridiculous. It's been an interesting year in the older horse division. Who's left? No, but I think Hot Rod Charlie's going to stud. Olympiad's going to stud. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically just Tyba. Tyba and Rich Strike. I know one thing. If I had Rich Strike, I would have my... Rabbit every time. Well, I, yes, I would have had a rabbit for sure. I would have already had a rabbit. But um, I would have, uh, when I look at next year's schedule, I would circle the Stephen Foster and the Clark. <laughs> yeah. Those, those would be but two then, races. I was actually kind of surprised that they won't try. Else. Why would they not try the Clark? That's his best I surface. I, I don't. And who's, who's there to fear? And I don't think he ran such a hard race on Saturday that he couldn't come back and run in that race. I mean, what's 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 he going to ruin his perfect record of running fourth all the time? What's there? To, what's the harm? What's the harm? But I know next year those would be the two races. I don't know where else I'd run, but I would definitely run in those two. Yeah, anything at Churchill Long, I'm going. Yeah, maybe the Ali Sheba. <laughs> On the, on the undercard of the Derby, that that'll be my choice. I would Churchill would be where I would be focused, and I would get a rabbit. Hey, look, look how it, the rabbit worked out for Toy. Toy was the rabbit. That's right. Kind of an unassuming rabbit, not like a totally like, uh, hey, this is our rabbit kind of deal. But uh, certainly, she was ridden. In a manner With rabbit-like intentions. Yes. She had some, some bunny hop to her. 
Anyways, we've talked about this nonsense for an hour and a half. And uh, anything else you got to, to add about the week last week? Or no, it was good. Decent, decent weekend of uh, firing yeah. away. You got you got the weekend off from the yeah. crew. Hang. What about a hurricane? You guys might get a hurricane down there. Yeah, I don't know. They're talking about it on Thursday this week, so. We might have to buckle up. They didn't clear all the stuff out from the other one. It, there's still debris around, and the trucks have been just too busy trying to pick up everything. And um, it was a lot worse than I thought originally. But um, yeah, it'll suck if we get another hit. Man, it's awful late in the year to have another hurricane. Right, yeah. Usually we're done by this time. I mean, hurricane season ends on November 30th. And usually by now, you know, I think the latest we'll get it was like mid-October. But this this little stray is whipping up a, a nice cat one. Yeah, just a category one. Yeah, we got that. You know. It's just a pain in the ass when power goes out that's yes the worst <laughs> that's what i don't enjoy no that that is that is the worst man power out in florida sucks not having um ac <laughs> yeah not not having ac is, is uh, you know that and internet and everything it's just yeah. like uh Oh, I saw your horse Edgeway got got purchased. She ran actually okay. I was actually surprised how good she ran actually. She's, she's going to the court of flight line. <laughs> it's so funny that that uh, you know in the old days, maiden mares would would never go to a first year stallion. They would always go to like one of the old standbys. Not anymore. Now now people. They they can't wait to get the first year stallions. First year stallions are more popular than any other stallion. Yeah, because other, other than nobody like, knows what what's what's the deal yet. Other than like Gunrunner. Yeah, Gunrunner. Jeez. Oh, Ken Ross is going to stay in training. That's cool. The title. Uh, the the twenty twenty three Breeders' Cup Mile is the target. Little free uh, advice there, Euro people. Notatory. <laughs> Get Buick. And Doyle. Doyle will be all right. Yeah, Blue Stripe sold for four million. Four milli. Yeah, Princess Grace. She was sold. She's going to Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of these horses, a lot of these good mares, man, going somewhere else. Well, there's not much we can do about it. But uh, I guess the next big day of racing will be uh, what? Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Tampa's opening up. Tampa will be open soon. Um, 
The fairgrounds. Fairgrounds, yeah. Their uh, their turf course is going to be under wraps, strict <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> Six races a week. Sweet. Someone, someone took a picture of it the other day uh, on the inside, and it looks dreadfully bad. It's brown. Yeah. Uh, Aqueducts turf course is is going to be severely limited. I don't know what it is, but it's suddenly it's like grass in this country. We have no idea how to grow it. Got got uh, got funky this year. Churchill's grass uh, is still uh, a work in progress, and it's like every every turf course is in shambles. Gulfstream hasn't run on the turf since April. Right. <laughs> it's uh, <clears throat> it's a rough year to own a turf horse. Mm. There haven't been many spots that you can get involved but uh yeah i guess uh thanksgiving weekend at, at churchill a couple of the two races the the um the clark and uh a couple of those philly races and then new york's got the cigar mile program the following weekend and then we're into winter mm-hmm. And the, the Gulfstream Championship meet officially isn't starting this year until midday after, right? Yeah, or the end of December. Yes. The... Why don't they just go to the old school and go January? I don't know. I mean, honestly, like ever since they made that move, it's always been like the December quote unquote championship meet. Whatever it is really kind of like an afterthought. It's not. It, it wasn't traditionally very good until after January, anyway. No. No, sir. But so uh, that still stands. And then now we got synthetics going around. Yeah, it's been synthetic overload from down there. Oh. there lots of grumbling. Saw a story in the Baltimore Sun that floated out that that uh, something that we had heard for a while that that Laurel might be on the on the on the uh, on the market. Mm. Yeah, there, there's a big issue with taxes there, stemming from the deal that they made with. Um, State of Maryland, the city of Baltimore, about the Preakness and Pimlico, and it's it's a big mess there. And uh, if I was a a Maryland horseman, I would be very very concerned. I might be uh, heading out. Yeah, um, yeah. They're 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 painted into a corner, for lack of a better word. They don't have enough money from the bonds to do what nearly what needs to be done and I don't know how they're going to get out of it but uh, but that's not a good sign that's not, that's not a good thing but um, no I, th- I thought it was a good Breeders' Cup I mean it seemed like people there were sort of happy for the most part <laughs> a little bit of grumbling here and there but horse racing people grumble so Understatement. Yeah, I mean, it's never going to make everybody happy. 
But the weather was good. I mean, that was one fear. In Kentucky in this time of the year, man, the weather can be, the range is just, it could be 12 degrees and snowing or it could be <laughs> 70. Uh, and unfortunately, they got the, the, the upper end of that bargaining. Seemed like the weather was was really good, and it was. Uh, you know, that's always the 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 thing about that. That's the one thing that California does have an advantage is that generally the weather is going to be good out there. So you're not going to be on a muddy track or or Pegasus Day. Yeah, but um, but anyways, we are we've reached the end of our post Breeders Cup show. Oh, we want to. Shout out to PlayUp's shout out book. Our guy Mike Dempsey over at PlayUp Racebook. Uh, heard nothing but good things about them. You guys want to check them out? PlayUpRacebook.com. Just PlayUp.com. Check it out and uh, go on the chat. Say, type in "going in circles" and ask for your money, man. Ask for the free money. Get some free money. I love the free money. Yes, I will say one thing in a political narrative that I've never Uh-oh. actually say, but thank God that, that tomorrow's election day. Oh, man. Yeah, I can stop getting those text messages. Oh, my God. I, I got, I, I've been bombarded by text messages from people in three states, and four areas. Like, <laughs> I'm not voting for any of you people, no matter what. <laughs> I got, I got something today from the lady that's running for the school board in, in Louisville. <laughs> I've been, I've been living in Louisville 12 years. <laughs> uh, it's, it's crazy. And then the TV ads. And, oh man, I'm done with it. I'm with you. Thank God this thing is over. I don't know. I don't know that. I'll be honest. Usually there's some kind of horse racing related stuff but i don't know that there really is this year they need to put sports gambling on the ballot here Uh, it's it's gonna be a while florida's gonna i it's amazing they botched as bad as they did because i know because we had the app and it was on and it was for a month our guy said it, man. He, he called it from he a mile away, too. He man. said exactly what was going to happen, and it happened exactly as he said it was. And now it's in federal court. It's going to get tied up there. You got FanDuel, and the other guys are all they're they're trying to come wrestling, in the back arm door. wrestling for a piece of it. And... Yeah, it's uh, it's a Oof. mess. But he, he said he goes the server I, that 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 thing's not going to work. It's going to get overturned in federal court. And man, he was one hundred percent right. So, I don't know. Who, who knows what's going to happen. But, um, but anyways, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I hope you listen to the Breeders' Cup show because, man, guys give out a lot of winners. Lots of winners. We all like winners. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk uh, we'll talk next week
Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people, do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. Uh, they have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees. Your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently, the star of Pleasant Acre Farms stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the Freshman Stallion of the Year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made it 3-for-3, three three, winning the $400,000 Springboard Mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacrestallions.com or on Twitter at P-A-S Stallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out.